You're listening to the ESO Network, your station for all things geek. In a world filled with cigars, craft beer, comics, movies, and video games, only two men are brave enough to search out all things nerdy. It's the Cigar Nerds Podcast! And welcome to Cigar Nerds Podcast. I'm your host, Smokin' Joe. I'm Brad Jackson. And here we are again, corona-free since 93. <laughs> eh, sounds about right. Maybe. I don't know. I did see some studies that apparently folks have been tested and, you know, have a bunch of antibodies, but they said that they never experienced, like, any actual symptoms or anything of that nature. So yeah, I'm, I'm I mean, thinking it's... probably a lot more folks have had it and it was a minor thing. Um, yeah, you're either asymptomatic or it's like you just like, well, I just had the flu because it w- wasn't that bad. Yeah, because you're not one of those yeah you know, danger groups that yeah you know, it it fucks up. But speaking of getting fucked up, where uh, what are we smoking this week, Brad? <laughs> uh, don't know about that transition at all. Uh, this week we've got the punch uh, knuckle buster. Yeah, with a you know badass uh, brass knuckles on the band. Uh, so yeah, that's like old school ass whooping. Yeah, and I'm surprised it took a brand called Punch this long to like. You know, we should put brass knuckles on some things. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know. I, I mean, they've had the uppercut, the sucker punch. You know, it's like it's like. Yeah, knuckle buster. That's that's a good idea. Yep. So this is going to be um, sporting a Nicaraguan Habano wrapper with Nicaraguan Habano binders and Nicaraguan and Honduran fillers. Um, so almost a Nicaraguan puro with just a wee bit of Honduras in there to to mix things up a bit. And the other kind of great part of this cigar is it's an inexpensive. I don't want to call it cheap because it doesn't taste cheap. It's like specifically they made it to be a inexpensive budget friendly smoke. I mean, we've talked a lot about New World, you know, for folks that are just getting into cigars, that sort of thing that I don't want to drop a lot of money to figure out if I like this or not. And um the Knuckle Buster, I got to say really surprised me. Um because this definitely fell below what I would traditionally call a budget cigar price. Yeah. Um, I've, I've seen cigars at this same price that nobody's ever heard of in a gas station somewhere, but a major company like Punch coming out with something at this price level, it's like, oh, yeah, okay. I mean- and it's, uh, this is my second time having the uh, Knuckle Buster, and um, I gotta say, I'm a. I'm a fan. Um, th- there's something. It's definitely on the higher end of full flavor, full body. Um, but I wouldn't quite say it's to the level of Punch Signature or the Diablo. Um, yeah, if you're because like I said the, either the Signature Series or the Diablo has been my go-to almost everyday smoke. I say this one tastes. Taste profile-wise reminds me a lot of the Signature Series, but maybe not quite as strong. But, I mean, it's damn close. And 
I mean, these are 660s, and they're in the 670, 680 price range. I mean, so it's definitely a lot of cigar for the price. Absolutely. And, um, you know, I... I'm not going to knock it. You know, I didn't even want to bring the price because you say sub $7 and like my mind goes somewhere else. Yeah. Um, you know, realizing that there are a lot of great budget options out there. This is just usually $9, $10 is what I would say budget. So this one comes in a couple of dollars less, um, which if, I had a box of these or whatever. I, I would not be offended or anything. I mean, they're they're got a touch of spice to them, a lot of earthiness, um, a little bit of leather. Um, I just, mean, it's it's great if you're you've just got a humidor. Your humidor is empty and you need to stock it without like breaking the bank. I mean, because you can get like four of these for like twenty five, twenty six bucks. <laughs> And I mean, it being a six sixty, like like you said, that's a lot of cigar for the value. Yeah, so. and I came kind of kind of came across this like accidentally because our local, you know, the cigar shop were out of my both of my favorite cigars. Like they were out of Diablo at the time, and they were out of Signature Series. I mean, they all they had was like the smaller sticks, and they didn't have the six sixty or the seven seventy. And I'm like, and this was literally had just came in the mail. They were like unwrapping the the first box. So I got the first stick out of the first box. And I was like, ah, oh, damn, it's a pretty good cigar. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it, it's not bad at all. Um, we oftentimes talk about finding that hidden gem and I, you know, for the shops that have this, like, go ahead, give it a try. If you like a, you know, more full body, full flavor cigar. Um, but maybe don't want to step up to the extreme of like the Diablo or something. <laughs> but you should definitely step up to the extreme of the Diablo if you if you got cojones. <laughs> <laughs> and speaking of hidden gems with Oh, uh, I thought you were gonna say cojones. <laughs> <laughs> that too for this movie. But uh you know, with all theaters closing, everything that was new that we we're gonna talk about has been postponed. It's hard to find anything new to watch when Luckily, we've got things like Netflix that had stuff in production and their release isn't hampered by uh, theaters being closed. So we got a brand new movie we're going to talk about this week uh, from the writers and producers of a little movie like uh, Infinity War, Endgame, Captain America, Winter Soldier. Uh, you know, the Russo brothers with uh, Chris Hemsworth, the motherf motherfucking Thor, and a action Wait, movie. Wait, that guy got fat. No, no. The, well, maybe they filmed it before he got fat. <laughs> yes, this week we're talking about Extraction uh, on Netflix. And if you got to take on an Indian drug lord, you should call in the Strikeforce. Strikeforceenergy.com. Use your promo code CIGARNERDS for 20% off your order. They come in the tiny little tin pouches to throw in your 511 uh, vest so you don't have to... I mean, if you got to travel light when you're, trying to, when you're on the run, it's a perfect energy drink for you. And, you know, while you're at it... Go to iTunes, wherever you listen to this podcast, hit that five star, leave us a review, promote the uh, the Cigar Nerd uh, brand, lifestyle, cult, whatever you uh, choose to call it. <laughs> and with that, we'll be right back. I want an old man that kills me. And I don't know these men I kill. 
about my family Cause it's a little too much to take Out here I got me and I got my buddy We can't afford even one mistake And welcome back So this week, as we alluded to in the introduction there We're talking about another Netflix original Which, and, and I think we've said this before The Netflix originals are turning out to be pretty badass big budget films that you don't expect from a streaming network. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And if you haven't seen Extraction yet, um, there's a little drinking game that you should play. Every time you recognize something from 511, take a drink. <laughs> yes. Uh, like I said, I, I don't know if they're a sponsor of the movie, but there is so much 511 gear in this film that even... 5.11, like, commented on their Facebook, like, hey, see how many uh, of our gear that you can pick out in this movie. I'm like, yeah, that uh, plate carrier looks familiar. I was thinking about buying one of those. Holds Pants, up. shoes, vest, <laughs> shirts, like, so much 5.11 apparel. As it should be. <laughs> yes. Uh, kind of like the, I, I'm pretty sure... Netflix, like, 5.11 sponsor, because, like, that other movie, too, the, the Netflix original action movie, uh, Triple Frontier, there's a lot of 5.11 gear in that movie, too. <laughs> Absolutely. So, um, I guess from here on out, spoiler warning, if you have not yet, um, seen Extraction. And if you haven't seen it yet, probably should see it. Yeah, because it's, the kind of the odd thing about, you know, Netflix originals is they're bringing in like big name directors and you know big name actors and stuff. Uh, this one was it's um, directed by Sam Hargrave, which probably haven't heard that name. This is his first his de directorial debut, but he is traditionally a stunt uh, coordinator for. I mean, he was stunt coordinator on. Uh, Freaking! Uh, I think uh, in, in Avengers Endgame, uh, he was a stunt coordinator on on Captain America: Winter Soldier. So this guy's like it's kind of like with John Wick and the first Deadpool. It was former stunt guys that are like, I want to be in the director's chair now, and I'm gonna make some badass action movie because that's kind of action is my bread and butter. So now I don't have to deal with the director. I'm gonna make that shit myself. And but I think that bodes well for action films there was a i don't know maybe maybe 10 minute interview between Ken, um chris hemsworth and sam hargrave and you know it was really cool just them going through certain big action scene moments and being like this is how we pulled this off and this is how we positioned the cameras here to make it look like this crazy, brutal event happened. But really, you know, a guy was, you know, I, I think at one point, like, a table gets kicked across the room. And oh, yeah. it looks like it, you know, cr crushes the guy in the face and oh, everything. Oh, yeah, he just, like, and, Chris Hemsworth, like, even my martial arts doctor was like, Hemsworth's got a wicked front kick. Oh, <laughs> <I mean, laughs> uh, apparently he's had quite a bit of martial arts training and, and things of that nature, so... I think it's only fitting, and it's, I don't know, I mean, to 
like listen to Chris talk about this film and he's like, you know, at first I wasn't feeling it. I was like, no, it's just another, you know, full on action thing. I've already got recognition of being Thor. I don't know if, you know, I want the folks that would, you know, see me play Thor to see me cast in this sort of a role. But then after he read the script and everything, like not only is it great, action but the film is also very artsy and you know yeah and like the some of the camera work and i'll get in a second but the other thing that's kind of yeah like you said hemsworth we know him as thor and that's pretty much all i've ever seen him in is either superhero movies or uh but dude something when when you're uh, in a franchise as successful as marvel like do you really need to do anything else at that point but i mean but the roles he's been like i've seen him in uh doing comedy and i've seen him doing like thor stuff but i've never seen him in a like gritty action like gunslinging type role and i gotta say this he he definitely could have a another post uh, avengers career as like the next big action guy yeah, I mean, that was the thing. Like, I have not read the books that apparently um, the character Jake Rake is based on. That's, or, yeah, I'm a, sorry, uh, Tyler Rake. Yeah, um, it's uh, based on a, a comic actually written by uh, uh, Joe Russo, Fernando Leon, Gonzalez, and Andre uh, Ande Parks, which, um, you know, you may have heard that name before because this movie was produced and written by the Russo brothers who wrote the last... Yeah, the last two Marvel movies, and the uh, you know did both of uh, whatever Avengers Endgame, Avengers Infinity War, and the uh, Captain America Civil War. So yeah, it's like, all right, we got some Marvel guys in here doing some like badass action, and and Marvel stuff has kind of a it's kid friendly. So there's like not intense gritty violence, and then you see this, you're like. Oh shit! These guys uh, can, <laughs> yeah. I mean, have it, some range to them, <laughs> you know. And even like, you know, with the R-rated Marvel stuff, like Deadpool and stuff, like there's, yes, there's over-the-top violence, but at the same time, like it's comic book-esque, you know. Yeah. Whereas this is definitely a lot darker, a lot grittier. Um, not only, you know, as folks can infer from the title. Are you trying to extract? But then also, I think it does a pretty good job of just showing the internal battles and the moral challenges that you know come with, I guess, being a a mercenary. Yeah, because uh, you know, quick synopsis of the movie: Extraction is about Chris Hemsworth, who plays Tyler Rake, is a former. Special Forces, uh, like Australian Special Forces guy, who is now a mercenary who kind of, you know, ex- specializes in um, extraction. Like, you hear these things where, you know, rich people get kidnapped in some foreign country. Him and his company are, like, the people they hire to, like, go in and rescue people. Where, yeah, uh, and, yeah, and he, but he's... So I guess everything's done under the table. No government involvements yeah. or anything. It's... Get in, get out, and if you get compromised, you're fucked. Yeah, it's you know very much like private military contracting, but in this case, it's it's kind of interesting because it's not like some corporate rich guy's family gets kidnapped. It's the biggest drug lord in India 
versus the biggest drug lord in Dhaka, Bangladesh. And the Bangladesh guy kidnaps the son of, you know, the the Indian drug lord. Uh, yeah, kid's name is Avi. But it's like, his family's dirtbags, but this kid's very much like an innocent, you know? So it's yeah, like, I mean, you, you're just... like, you want him to be rescued and safe, even though his dad's a freaking imprisoned uh, drug lord. This kid's very much a... Hey, I, I want to be a typical kid, a prep you school, know. piano playing, you know, not definitely not following along in his father's footsteps. And I don't know, maybe, maybe part of it was, you know, maybe he was a bit sheltered from that aspect of the family or, or you know. Yeah, because before they even, like, introduced his father, you see him getting picked up in a fancy car from like a fancy private school and you know, everyone has to wear ties and shit. And he comes home to this really nice place, which you see security guys. But if he was like, you know, Bill Gates son, you, you would assume the same that, you know, you got a lot of money. You're going to have some kind of private security force. Well, I mean, I would think especially in a predominantly, you know, poor country too. Like yeah. if you have any kind of, assets or anything like uh, i would think that you're much more likely to be a target <laughs> but yeah until he gets you know and then you you see like a, a like a saju who, who i guess is like his dad's like uh associate you know he's like hey didn't your dad tell you to come straight home after school yeah until he gets snatched and then you see like sanji have to go to uh the prison to tell his father that, you know, he'd been kidnapped. Like, Oh, okay. So this not a regular old businessman family. There's <laughs> like, so, so the, the, they do a good job of showing the kid to be just a normal rich kid. Uh, you, you really don't know, you know, what his family is like until, you know, after he's already gotten snatched. I think if you, they just like, Oh, this is some dirtbag drug Lords kids. Like people have been like, yeah, fuck him. <laughs> <laughs> they did a good job, so I'm like, oh no, this kid may have a bad dad, but he's he's innocent in all this and and not a future scumbag, yeah. potentially. Yeah, I mean, that, I don't know, this film did a really good job, too, with making you connect with characters. Like, that was one yeah. of the things that, you know, really set this apart than just your standard action movie. Like, there was quite a bit of character development and quite a bit of no we want you to be invested you know and then also too some really good misdirection on guys you think that are potentially your your villains and stuff maybe aren't so villainous and vice versa like uh, you know and even like uh there was a lot of substance yeah and and i think that's one of the things that i really liked about this was you could do a deep dive on the emotional side of things, the action side of things, and oftentimes events that happen that just kind of leave it up for you to decide how they play out, you know, depending on what you inferred from the story. And and that's where I brought up it was very artsy in, in, in that aspect. Yeah, and that's the speaking of artsy, just like the visual, the way they shot it, and that's one thing I like lately of 
action movies having former stunt guys as directors is they know how to shoot an action sequence because they're they have plotted these sequences so many times so there's a big uh kind of action sequence toward the middle of the film where after he gets the kid trying to make it out of a city where the drug lord there owns the police and the military so pretty much everybody's after him just you know the gangs and the police and there's this long like running gun battle of him like shooting it out with the cops that looks like it's all one camera movement i mean the camera kind of moves and follows different peoples but the way they shot it and you know i mean it probably was edited in some way but you couldn't really tell where the edits were it looked like one long single camera movement to the end of that uh sam hargrave there's actually an interview that they did with him where specifically they talk about that filming and everything else and i think they did that in you know basically one take you know it was insane where and it like so that and then even the parts of that where they get into vehicles it's definitely shot on like a a hand camera and not like a fixed point so it's like the camera's kind of rattling around as they're they're going in these car chases and it almost gives you the perspective of you're just a dude in the back seat in the middle of this car chase the way yes. the camera's kind of like looking around following different like action points and shit and it's like it very much like gives you that feel of like oh i'm in the car with these motherfuckers yeah because i mean at, at some point like you know the driver looks right you're looking right you know you you're seeing things from almost a, a first-person perspective, you know, in, in that regard. And I thought that was also really cool. Yeah, it's like the camera's almost like a third character in these <laughs> in some of these sequences. And I was like, that was a interesting way to shoot it. It almost, like I said, reminded me a little bit of uh, John Wick at points. But, I mean, as successful as the John Wick franchise is, do you think that we could have a a character like you know Tyler Rake on the big screen? Would this have been big screen worthy? Yeah, if this was not a Netflix original, this definitely could have been a a big screen action film. And and that's too. It's like these things have to be making money because I mean, because traditionally Netflix doesn't release what they act, their actual numbers and stuff are, but the budget was sixty five million, so it's definitely in that you know big budget film. But the reason why it's $65 million, not $165 million, is they don't have to spend the millions of dollars on advertising that you know you would if you were you know trying to release John Wick, where you see six months of trailers before it comes out, where this, I think it came on our radar maybe a month ago, just started popping up on Facebook and Netflix previews saying, hey, we got this thing coming out in like a month, uh, come watch it. <laughs> yeah, I... I... I don't know. Definitely something to be said for for the platforms, like, and especially with the way know, things are in the world now, where we can't go out to a theater. This like direct streaming release of what would normally be a could be a theatrical release. Does that mean that well, may I mean, be the new the model? Like, you know, if you. I mean, I've never really worked in a theater, but I know before, like, you had film reels that had to be loaded and everything, so, you know, I could understand the delays there. Um, You know, a decade and a half or so ago, everything was disc-based medium, so you still had to wait on the disc to arrive, but now, like, I'm almost wondering, like, most movie theaters, like, 
could you be set up as a cloud service? And it's like, okay, here's your file now, you know. Because there was a few, and I don't remember which movie it was when all this shit uh, shut down, is they went straight to, not Netflix or Hulu or whatever, but went straight to, like, streaming where you could buy the movie on the release for, you know, 12 $15, like you probably would if you had actually gone to the theater and played it since they couldn't actually release it in theaters. I don't know if they made nearly what the box office would have normally been, but well, I mean, the, I think there's, I mean, there's a, a lot, lot of I mean, folks there's certain movies that I want to see on a big screen with a surround sound, but, but yeah, you know, if I can't go to the theater, you know, if I can, you know, even pay in regular ticket price to see something, you know, open in weekend, uh, in the comfort of my, my man cave, then I mean, hell, it may be better doing that. And I can eat whatever the fuck I want. I don't have to pay $30 well, I mean, that's for popcorn. The thing is, I think a lot of folks pay for, the theatric experience, but then too, like, there's a lot of folks like myself that's like, you know, I, I gotta drive 45 minutes to get to a theater that I can get, you know, some alcohol, some food, that sort of thing, and then, you know, by the time I do that, like, sometimes I just want to be able to enjoy movies, like, at my own pace, and, you know, my yeah. own time without, like... Here I can smoke a cigar, drink some whiskey, eat whatever the hell I want to eat. And if I got to pee halfway through the movie, I don't have, I ain't missing nothing. I can pause that shit and go pee. <laughs> I don't have to come back five minutes later. All right, what a miss. <laughs> Certainly. So I, I don't know. You know, maybe the theater situation won't be so bad with all the social distancing and stuff like that. I know but... AMC's already talking about filing for bankruptcy. So no, we'll see if the the yeah movie uh, experience uh, survives all this shit. But yeah, that I don't know, like. I still think that there's an opportunity for the resurgence of the drive-in. Like, yeah, I don't know. There's, I think there's a new one just opened up. Yeah, because they're open up here in Georgia, and there's, I think it's still open. There used to be one up in Blue Ridge. Uh, but yeah, that, I mean that's that'd be kind of a cool way to bring things back and start bring back the uh, the whole drive-in experience. I mean, everything else is getting rebooted. Why not? I mean, especially with the way technology is, where you can just stream that shit. You can probably like, you know, hey, turn your radio, your car radio, to this station, and well, get I mean, your, I know uh, that um, your audio, the one in Blue Ridge, that's how it was. Like right as you bought your ticket, um, there was a big sign that said "tune to this frequency," and you know, back in the go. old days, they had that little speaker box that you had to like <laughs> put in your window or whatever. Yeah, no, this. <laughs> but I've not was... been to a. Uh, I only know that from watching old movies. I've not been to a modern. Uh, <laughs> drive-in. And I mean, there's some people that's got better, you know, audio systems in their car than they do their homes anyway, so. <laughs> you know, that's the thing. You need some fire there, sir? It looks like uh, I got forward, I uh, maybe a little cool. But. There we go. Turn down the flame a little bit. It's blowing itself out. So the character of Jake Rake. Or Tyler you, Rake. Are, yeah. <laughs> Golly, I don't know. Jake Rake would be a cool name. <laughs> Jake Rake. I think Tyler. I'm, Tyler Rake. I'm, I'm probably, you know, trying to mix, like, Jake the Snake with, you know, Tyler Rake and, you know. Jake Rake would be a good uh, WWE name. Yeah. I, <laughs> but, I, yeah, he, he, like, he wouldn't use your 2D, two-dimensional uh, action hero. I mean, they gave him a lot of, like, it kind of reminded me a little bit of Mel Gibson in the first Lethal Weapon, where he's, like, borderline suicidal but he can't pull the trigger he's like you find out later on that he has a son that uh died of leukemia or, or, or lymphoma or whatever and you know he's basically like 
you know, ex-military guy. His son died while he was away. And now he just kind of operates as a mercenary taking these crazy ass missions because hoping that he won't like even the girl that comes to hire him. And he's just like this Australian drunk, Australian farmer looking guy. who's like, you know, cave or cliff diving and shit. And she's like, you know what? I think you just take these missions because you're just, you know, spinning the chamber, hoping eventually you're going to catch a bullet. Well, I mean, you know, when he's having this conversation with Avi, you know, at, at the point to where, you know, some of the turning points happen. Um, you know, it wasn't that he was away. You know, he just couldn't face seeing his son go through that, so he ran. You know, he's like, no, I, I volunteered. I wasn't there because, you know, I, I couldn't face my own fears, you know, or, or whatever. And, like, I, I guess to keep this in the, the nerd realm, like, it got pretty dark almost almost to the punisher level at times um you know now i think the the punisher was much more family oriented where you know this this guy obviously had been through some some shit and you know was had a substance abuse problem because of it and you know trying to you know cope with things and and not the least healthy way possible but <laughs> i do like his his like fucking farm and shit when girl shows up to hire him she's like there's a chicken in your bathtub he's like i like yeah, chickens i like chickens until they shit everywhere and she's like you know she's like yeah this job you know is like super dan- dangerous she's like he's like hey you know if you weren't needing someone crazy you wouldn't have you wouldn't have hired me for this job in the first place he's like she's like well you know why are you doing this she's like he's like i need the money chickens are expensive <laughs> <laughs> but it's one of those like the things you're gonna like from the beginning of that you're like he is definitely a man that like has nothing to lose and doesn't care because he goes when he, you know they first the plan is him he has to go get proof that the kid's actually alive and you know they're gonna rescue him but he comes in there under the guise of if you want your money show me the kid's alive you know then they think he's just you know the negotiating guy who's going to drop off the money and the thugs that have the kid, like one of them pulls a gun and just like points it to his head and like pulls the trigger and he doesn't even flinch. And they're like, Oh man, this guy's fucking crazy. He didn't even flinch. He's like, ah, I saw the magazine was out, but I'm like, did you, yeah. <laughs> or did you just not give a fuck? Like, <laughs> I, I, I kind of feel like if I've got a gun pointed to my head, like I, I don't know that I'm going to look and be like, Oh, where, where there should have been a, uh, you know, stopper or a finger extension. There's nothing there. Like, and I mean, we, we've seen it again. I mean, the tiger King, if it taught us anything, a Ruger will fire with one in the chamber without a magazine. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Like, I, I I think the thing that kind of struck me too, in all of this was, you know, the, the number of kids that got, you know, suckered into basically being hired guns for this drug lord and everything. Like, yeah, they introduced, uh, was it Fahara? And it starts with, with like all these kids on this rooftop. And apparently I guess one of them has pocketed some money and like the thug guys like looks around grabs one of them and like tosses them off the roof. And it's like, all right, now which one of y'all stole my money? And the one guy's like, I-, I know who took your money. Who? It was the kid you threw off the roof. <laughs> and the drug dealer's like, 
you got balls, kid. He's like, tell you what, you cut off two fingers, you know, I'll, I'll let you live. And, uh, and he's like, but I would suggest your left hand because you would still want to be able to hold a gun. And the kid's about to like do it. And then they come in and say, Hey, like homeboy's taking the kid. And he's like, no, you're brave and lucky kid. And he's like, get this kid a gun. Let's, let's let him. And it was kind of, he was like the, the dark side of Avi. It was like, you know, Avi has this privileged lifestyle. Yeah. You know, even though his dad's like a, a crime Lord where this other guy, this kid who's like a street kid is like, you know, very much wanting to be. He wants the social he wants to be the gangster and everything yeah. else, and uh, which that could have quite easily been, you know, obvious situations were were different. And when he shows up and like attacks, uh, you know, well, let's back it up a second before before he gets like kind of lost in the city, having to run. Like the whole plan is Sanju uh, or whatever his name is that works for Avi's father. Most of his assets have been frozen because he's in prison. He's like, he doesn't have the money to pay the ransom. I have heard of people that can get him out, but we don't even have the money to do that. So, and the drug lord's like, if you want your son to make it to his next birthday, you have to save my son. So he's like, he's like, I, he tells his wife, he's like, I've got a plan, but it's, it's dicey. And she's like, do what you have to do to save our son. So his whole plan is, all right. I'll make the deposit on the, getting them to rescue the kid. And as soon as they rescue the kid, I'm going to kill all the mercenaries. So I ain't got to pay him. <laughs> so the extraction goes as planned. But then when he shows up to, to get on his uh, boat to leave, like Sanju, who's apparently not just, you know, the, the drug Lord's accountant, he's like ex special forces himself pretty much kills like his whole team trying to snatch the kid back. So now he's got, you know, crazy Antonio Banderas looking motherfucker chased him and the entire police force and army and not to mention all of the fucking gangs and everything else. Yeah. Basically, you know, anybody capable of wielding a gun is, uh, after the dude. And that's kind of the lead up to that, that big action sequence we talked about where it looked like it was a single shot is not only is he getting chased by the cops, he's getting chased with the other guy. And it's like a three way battle between him, him and the other cops. And it's like, it's like, damn And eventually like you, know, Hits him with a truck. He's like, you just hit him with the truck. He's like, yeah. Because he's like, motherfucker hit me with a car. You know? <laughs> but yeah, it was. Sometimes if a motherfucker hits you with a vehicle, you got to hit him with a bigger vehicle. <laughs> and his boss says, you know, hey, they didn't pay us for the extraction. You know, I can get you out, but you got to leave the kid. And that's the first time you kind of see. He's not just a mercenary. He's like, he's like, no, that's not the job. I'm not leaving the kid. She's like, the job is fucked. He's like. Still, I'm, I'm not, I may be a dirt bag, but I'm not that big of a dirt bag. I'm not going to just abandon this kid to the, the streets. He's, he's an innocent in all this and I'm going to get him out. And they're trying to, you know, kind of make it to an alternative extraction. And then like Fahara and his street kids all attack him. And he's like, even though they're like shooting at him and pulling guns, he like kicks the shit out of all of them, but he doesn't kill any of them. Yeah. I mean, that's, you know, I, I think that definitely shows the moral compass there because like, yeah, you got he's a not kid that's you know, already, you know, like uh, the thing is the fucking kid that's like seven or eight years old, you know, that always has the fucking AK-47 <laughs> yeah. and he fucking hits him, knocks him off his motorcycle. He's like, he's like come on, man, it's my gun. Give it back. <laughs> this fucker won't give my gun back. <laughs> it was like, dude, you're a kid. <laughs> the fuck? But I mean, like, 
I don't want to just say that that's cinema magic because, I mean, talking to friends that have been, you know, overseas and stuff like that, you know. Yeah, in countries like you that. You know, it is, basically, yeah. you know, a depicting of, you know, instead of like kids drawing rainbows and sunshine and shit, it's, you know, them holding AK-47s and, you know, you're kind of... Yeah, over there, you the child soldier is definitely, uh, yeah, yeah. definitely that, that lifestyle. Oh, but yeah, I mean, I like when he calls his because there's a retired uh, mercenary that lives in that town that that originally when she's like, "Hey, we need to go to Dhaka," he's like, "Hey, we'll call it Gaspar. That's his area." She's like, "No, he's retired," and he's like, "You know, after the get attacked by the kids, he like hides in the sewer and he's like, call Gaspar. He owes me his life. You know, he he owes me." And he's like, "She's like, but Gaspar is like, hey." We just got attacked by the Goonies from hell, and now we're hiding in the worst, uh, smelliest sewer I've ever seen. Fucking call him. <laughs> but like, we just got attacked by the fucking Goonies from hell. <laughs> yeah, no, that was a, a great line. And then... Like, there's so many twists, you know? I The, the fact that you learn that Gaspar, yeah, he's your buddy and all, but guess what? He's also, you know, I'm sorry, this dude has the power and everything else, and um, you know, if you're you're gonna have a chance of life, like you got to be in this guy's good graces. Like that was, yeah, it's like he, uh, you know, Gaspar shows up and and takes him kind of to a, a safe house, and it's uh, Stranger Things, David uh, Harbor, uh, you know, who. Hopper's alive. <laughs> Apparently, he's a mercenary in DACA now. But yeah. I mean, that he, just says that maybe he fled Russia, ended up in DACA. You know, like. <laughs> but yeah, he he uh, you know feeds them, gives them a place to get you know the shit off of them, and kind of restocks them. And he's like, all right, you know, y'all get some rest. I'll be back later. And then comes back. And he's like, hey man, I did some check in. Like, there's a ten million dollar bounty on your boy here. Like. If they, even if you get him out, they're just going to keep hunting for him. The The nicest thing you can do is to go put a bullet in that kid's head. Because, you know, if they get a hold of him, they're going to do a lot worse. And it's like, he's like, you know, I live in this town. Like, I know that guy. And you know, he rules this town. If I want to keep living here, I can't betray him. You know, because if he finds out that I've even helped you this much, you know, my I'm going to die. My wife's going to die. And he's like, so like, and he's like, in fact... You don't even have to be involved. Just stay out of my way. I'll go up there and shoot the kid and make it quick. I promise. You know, just like, uh, <laughs> and it's like, fuck. He's like, you got like no friends in this town. Yeah. No, like that was, I mean, that's the thing too. Like, you know, you're sitting around having drinks. Homeboy comes back an hour later and it's like, hmm, okay. Well, now, now, now you've kind of showed your dirtbag card, but Then again, like you, you have to argue. Like, do you risk your family, your friends, your personal safety for that of a stranger? Yeah, and because at this point, you know, Rake's got no. He's obviously not getting paid for this mission now because you know they've, yeah, <laughs> they've uh, reneged on on that deal, and you know his his employer is trying to kill him at this point. And even the people he works for is like, hey, man, we'll send a shot. We can get you out, but you're going to have to leave the kid. And he's like, he, I, you know, 
find some kind of moral compass in all this. And he's like, nah, I can't do it. Yeah. We're both getting out of this or yeah. But I mean, isn't that crazy? Like, so leading up to it, you know, you have the very serious conversation between Avi and Tyler. There we go. Didn't say Jake that time. (laughs) We're improving. Um, Jake from State Farm. Where really you, you know, learn about Jake's past and, you know, some of the personal shit that he's been through and everything. And, um, you know, Avi makes that, you know, interesting little observation that, you know, it's, you know, when you drown, it's not being submerged in water that causes you to drown. It's staying there. Yeah, he's like, it's like, you know, falling over the railing doesn't kill you. It's staying in the water that kills you or whatever. And he even says, he's like, have you always been like this? He's like, what? Brave. He's like, I'm not brave. He's like, but you save people. Yeah, sometimes I do other things. <laughs> and he's like, kill people? Yeah, sometimes I kill people. <laughs> but then, you know, too, like, it's not long after that that the shit you talk about just breaks out, you know, between Gasper and uh, everything. And, you know, it ends up, you know, the kid putting the bullet in Gasper's head. You know, and, you know, the kid, like, looks at Tyler and is like, um, are you mad? Or, you know? It's like, sorry I capped your boy, but he's kind of being a dick, <laughs> you know? Like, you know, Tyler just goes, kind of sits by him, like, I get it, kid, you know? Appreciate appreciate the assist there, because, um, you know, he might have been drunk, but he was still whooping up on me pretty bad. <laughs> yeah. Oh. Yeah, because it was just, I mean... The level of ass whooping he got in this movie was, but it was like when he's fighting Gaspar, I mean he's doing some good like MMA, like some some nice ground fighting shit. <laughs> I mean it's like, yeah, you seeing him being all powerful Thor, but him actually having to fight and shoot, it's like, yeah, I was like, especially got the M4 with the, the man I'm like, yeah, there's Thor's new hammer. I mean he's fucking working that thing. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean he was definitely doing some legit work. That's that's for sure. Like, I mean just. Fucking phenomenal action sequences. And, and then, like, also, like I said, you get... I like the the depth they gave to uh, to San, Sanjo's character. Uh, probably, it's S-A-J-U, however you pronounce that. Saju, I think. Because, you know, when he just shows up and, like, starts killing the mercenaries that he hired, and you think he's like, oh, this is just another dirtbag uh, drug guy but then you get that thing where he after he kind of fails to get the kid back and he's knows he's either he calls his wife and is like hey take whatever money we have and disappear you know and he's kind of making that like i don't think i'm going to make it back either i'm going to fail this mission and he's going to come after my family or i'm going to get killed in the process and you know, talks to his son and says you know take care of your mother and all that and has that kind of goodbye moment with his family you're like it's like you know, he's like kind of always said like kind of like a movie where a bad guy doesn't think he's a bad guy and it's like you kind of see like I don't want to be doing this I don't want to have to kill these people but killing these people and saving this kid is how I keep my family safe and nah, it's like, I mean it, it just it's really like, it's goes hard to, back uh, to that moral struggle of you know kill a stranger to save the people you love and care about you know uh, it just like for an action film it does a good job of just making you stop and think, you know, yeah. like I, I found myself just multiple times, but then too, like 
there's enough character development and everything else there that, like you said, the, the characters are like, okay, well, shit's going south. And then, you know, come to find out, fucking, you know, Tyler reaches out and he's like, hey, do you trust the guy? Okay, great, because I'm going to need his help. Obviously, he's got training and everything, like... Yeah, he's going to hey, like, let's stop trying to kill each other and let's get this kid out of here. And, yeah, shows up with a bag of guns and be like, let's <laughs> like, work together. <laughs> no, I mean, he just, like, literally, you know... Sanjay kind of looks at him, says, just like that, just like that. Like, <laughs> so you stop trying to kill me, I'll help you get the kid out. <laughs> and he's, you know, just like, you know, because he's kind of like, like, we're fucked, there's one way out of the city across this bridge. My guys are coming, there's going to be a helicopter land there. He's like, get the kid there, he'll be safe, I will try I to mean, lead them away from you. Maybe the camera didn't do a good job, but what if you went under the bridge? Like, why do you gotta go over the bridge? Like, stay under the bridge in the water. Like, do some uh, some I mean, Batman. I like, mean, dude, you could climbing you, through the railing. Fucking snorkel, you know. <laughs> get your get your little straw. <laughs> like, yeah, that whole like final like fight sequence of them on the yeah trying to get across the bridge and yeah. like, it remind me of every video game ever, you know, because there's always like that one thing where it's like this is whole movie is one of those damn escort missions. Yeah. Well, I mean. <laughs> Like, every action shooter has one of those levels where it's just a fucking choke point and it's just an endless wave of enemies. And it's like, get to point A to point B. And it's like, all right, there's like 400 of them, there's one of me. Awesome. (laughs) Yeah, and it's like, those fucking escort missions too where the AI guy you're trying to protect is never as smart as you'd like him to be. Well, I mean, I gotta give the, the, the kid credit. I mean... You know, he uh, he kind of held his own and, you know, sort of followed directions. I mean, you know, that was a, the other thing, too, is just the, the transitions, you know, because you had a lot of stuff taking place in vehicles. You had a lot of close quarter combat. You had, you know, things breaking out in the, the, the forest and waterways. And then, you know, just your basic urban marketplaces, you know, that in the third world, like, there was a lot of shit going on in, in this fucking place, like. And the, forget when he's like, alright, I'm gonna cause a distraction, try to lead them away from y'all so y'all can hit the bridge, and he just starts, starts popping people with that, you know, 40 millimeter grenade launcher, <laughs> blowing up cars and shit. It's like, hi guys, here I am. <laughs> just dropping grenades like a motherfucker. <laughs> And then when he gets pinned down on the bridge, he's like, you know, Rake, where you at? I'm, I'm going to need some backup. And he's like, you know, on his way to to uh, join the bridge fight. And he encounters the lone sniper. That's yeah. the other thing, too, that's very video game-esque, where it's like... <laughs> sniper! Okay, I'm, I'm killing all these fuckers, and then next thing you know, like... Oh, we got incoming from somewhere. <laughs> Yeah, because, yeah. Obviously, they see me. I don't see them. Saju takes a hit from the sniper. The incoming, you know, homegirl Nick uh, shows up with the rest of the, the Merc crew and, and kind of secures the other end of the bridge. And dude shoots, like, one of the helicopter crew. And he's like, we got to circle back around. And she, like, turns out she's a badass sniper herself, pulls out that, uh, that scar heavy and is like, you know, finds a spot. And it's like, just, it's like one of those, like, sniper hunt sniper games, too, when he... Takes another shot and hits uh, 
rake in like the shoulder or something. She's like, oh, there you are, motherfucker. And just like splats that head. I'm like, hell yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Just fucking all around. I mean, you had the awesome gunfights, a lot of hand to hand, a lot of knife, like, and then there was the rake. <laughs> and then, you know, the kid finds rake, uh, all shut up and he's like, he kind of has, he's like, there's a helicopter landing over there. You run, I'll cover you. And he gets up just like dual wielding and shooting as many people as possible. And, and then he like, he let those fucking kids go. And as soon as he like clears all the soldiers and starts trying to follow after the kid, he, that Farah, you know, that he should have killed the first time he tried to kill him. shoots up and shoots him in the, like the side of the neck. And then he, you know, kind of like go on, be rescued and does a backflip off the, off the bridge into the water. Yeah. I don't know. I was at that moment. Like, it's like, fuck, like you, you, you want him to win at that point. Cause he's had his redemption moment. And then yeah. it's like, oh shit. You know, it's like, I, I guess we're going to go dark with this. <laughs> But the thing is, the way that movie ended, I'm like, did he die? Well, and and, and that's the thing. There's so and, much and, argument and, on well, the internet, too. It's like... <laughs> well, I mean, here... You know, basically hearing it directly from the director was that is absolutely intentional because he wanted to leave things for people to end the story how they wanted. Or if they want a continuation... That option's there, too. So if you want the feel-good redemption story, you've got it. If you want the, oh, there's Jake, and it's like, is it? Well, the way, I mean, Kid gets rescued, and the way the movie kind of ends, uh, spoiler alert, uh, (laughs) it shoots, it jumps eight months ahead, and you see... A fear, a mere uh, Asif, I think is the uh, the uh, the bad drug lord's name. Him, like you know, out in what looks like some kind of like Day of the Dead or some kind of party, and he goes to some club bathroom, and he looks over and there's like this hot chick walks up, you know, to the urinal next to him, and he's like, "Hey," and but him with his pants down. But it's you know, Nick all dressed up, and she just pulls out a suppressed pistol and pops one in his dome, and then double taps him on the ground. It's like, "Ha ha, fucker, you." You shot up my team. I'm going to make sure you, uh, <laughs> you're you gone. But then you cut to the kid, <clears throat> and you see him back at school or something, and he's like, you know, going to like a swim meter, and he jumps off a diving board. And when he comes up out of the water, you just get kind of a blurry shot of what looks like a white dude standing on the edge of the pool watching him. And to me, I think he's alive because, jump back to like the start of the movie, you see rake kind of do like a cliff dive and he just kind of sits at the bottom of the the river the lake or whatever and just has this like let me see how long i can hold my breath and kind of meditate down here at the bottom of the water moment well the kid does the same thing before he comes out of the water and i'm like if rake wasn't alive like how did he learn rakes like you know freaking meditation method there and also Sanju died, which was his only protector. You've got to assume his father is still in prison. I would think if he survived, 
the kid's gonna need a new bodyguard. But I mean, at the same time, though, like, you know, going back to the bridge scene, you know, there's there's other people there protecting the kid. So you know, did somebody take him? You know, all right, hey, we we've got you extracted, and you know. We're, we're taking you here where you're going to be safe. And when he falls off the bridge, Farah runs up and looks over and doesn't see him floating in the water. He's just gone. So he, we already know he can hold his breath for a long time. <laughs> so he's just down there chilling, waiting until everybody leaves. But then, then again, like, I, I, I don't know, you know? Like, that's that's the beauty of it is, was it a nick in the neck? Or, you know, was that a fatal shot? I mean, they they shot it good enough that you couldn't tell how exactly serious and, the wound was, you know. But I mean, it was obviously. I mean, fuck, we we've, we've seen him overcome, and I think that was the other thing that you know kind of made this movie great was at no time did you feel like he was invincible. No, he was definitely like you know like fucked it, up along it, the way. if you watch you know. I, any of the the major, like, I mean, John Wick, you know, John Wick's gonna prevail. But this here, like, how how the fuck is it gonna play out? Like, yeah, I mean, you know, it's just a uh, a man with a certain set of skills and <laughs> Have a particular set of skills. Yeah, I mean, and, and he did. I mean, so I don't know. I mean, that was one of the cool things that. Yeah, they shot it blurry enough at the end that like you couldn't tell if that was him or not. But like I said, the kid definitely would need a new uh, protector, and as a gun for hire, that would <laughs> and a guy you can tr- trust to protect your kid at that point. You know, he uh, like I said, he may be uh, his new bodyguard. But yeah, they they left it ambiguous enough that hey, if we want to do a sequel, we could do a sequel, or if we want to just like you know, let it be, we can let it be. I don't know. I, I, I think that was an interesting... And I think that was one of the reasons that, you know, basically Chris Hemsworth signed on to, you know, do the film. Because originally he didn't want any part of it, you know? And then he's like, they approached me again. I, I read the script and I was like, okay, there's there's something here, you know? Like, yeah, let's do this thing. It's one of those, like, he's built like a fucking action star, but the guy can do comedy. I mean, he's funny as shit in some of these little skits and stuff you see him in and, and little, you know, where he's been like a comedic supporting actor and stuff. It's like, he's, he's one of those guys that could probably like, you know, doesn't have to be a Marvel superhero. His uh, entire career. And the guy definitely has yeah, but a lot of range. Been but... to that level of <laughs> stardom and everything else within Marvel. Like, but he could definitely be, like, the I mean, next you, rock. I mean, he could be, like, the new Hollywood action guy if he wanted to be. But he's one of those guys, he's a good enough actor. He can do serious roles and shit. He doesn't have to be the action guy, but definitely, you know, good at it. <laughs> if he wants to go down that uh, career path. Or maybe he gets a kind of a Jason Statham career where he'll do a couple of crazy action movies and then he'll do something kind of semi-serious <laughs> show up in the occasional crazy comedy. Just, you know, a little of everything. So speaking of the crazy favorite kills. Oh, 
I say when he go when he first rescues the kid and goes like yeah, fucking hits that guy in the face with a table. I mean, just I was like that's badass. Well, I mean, like with the last name Rake, <laughs> like it's yeah, and he kills you, the guy you, with you the fucking have rake to incorporate <laughs> a, a rake kill in there somewhere. Yes. And you know, like, I completely forgot about that. Yeah, when he's fucking those guys up and and gets like the the fucking pitchfork rake thing and just <laughs> jams the guy's face into it. It's like, all right, Rake had a rake kill. That's <laughs> and like the, the, the badass bearded sniper, uh, uh, Gaten, that is your director of the movie too. So he's like, yeah. Yeah. See, I didn't realize that was the director at yeah. first when I watched it. And I was like, I mean, that dude looks like an operator. I'm like, oh yeah, he's definitely a, uh, a stunt coordinator guy. I mean, he's got the cool tactical beard. <laughs> But, yeah, I, I I don't know, definitely, definitely brought more to the table than I originally anticipated. Yeah, and just like I said, you know, Australian action guys. I mean, you got Mel Gibson, you got, uh, uh, who's that other, I mean, like, Hugh Jackman, like, Australian guys, you know, turn into badass uh, action stars. <laughs> well, I mean, I guess, you know, in Australia, everything's trying to kill you anyway. So, I mean, you know, you got to stay away from the wildlife, the vegetation, you know, can't go into the waters. Like, every, like literally, like, I, I feel like Australia is just like a walking death trap. So, I mean, yeah. you know, yeah. Learn a lot of survival instincts. <laughs> and you get to have a chicken in your bathtub. <laughs> well, I like chickens. <laughs> and I got to tell you, in a world of... We see a lot of kind of Middle Eastern bad guys. We see a lot of kind of Eastern European crime things. It's like the first movie I've really seen that's used Bangladesh and India as a action movie backdrop. It was kind of an interesting new, well, I think new setting for it. For kind of given story. the the political climate of everything too, it's kind of like we probably want to set this somewhere that you know, unfortunately, like like you said, we we see a lot of Middle East, which a lot of South Mexican like crime, you know, cartel type shit. It's like. Indian drug lord or Bangladesh drug lords is not a uh, a criminal genre that we've seen a lot of, so it's definitely definitely new. So is this the guy that's like, I am the prince. I will send you fifty million U.S. dollars. <laughs> yes, <laughs> this is the uh, the the prince guy that keeps trying to scam you out of money. <laughs> the Ooh, Bangladesh uh. drug lord. Well, that's probably why I haven't got any of those emails recently. He got capped. <laughs> Yeah, Nikki double tapped him in the bathroom, so we've not gotten any. <laughs> so, um, any involvement between Nikki and Tyler? I kind of, I kind of feel like there's <clears throat> a, a history or something there. Yeah, because yeah, at first you think she's just like the the uh, kind of like a uh, hitman forty seven. He had that the English girl that booked all his uh, his missions. But when not, nah, she shows up in the fucking tack vest and the sniper rifle at the end, and and also you know, shows up and double taps that dude like, oh, she's not just the administrator; she's a fucking operator too, which I thought was kind of 
badass. I mean, if they do another sequel without Hemsworth, hell, I wouldn't mind seeing uh, her as a uh, an action star. That would be kind of a interesting new way of of doing things. No, because I mean, she definitely you know showed her her skill set and everything. Like she wasn't a huge you know part of the, but when she was there, like you know, those were pivotal moments that. Yeah, because like she went from being like the administrator, like hiring, you know, intel lady to like, oh no, this chick can shoot herself. And <laughs> they ever say who his wife was? I don't think they ever mentioned Our his wife. Uh, his wife. Because I, I kind of I thought, may, maybe this might be the ex-wife. That would be an interesting twist of things. Because uh, yeah, he just you know said that his his son died and his you know him and his wife split up. That would be kind of <laughs> kind of interesting but then it showed the kid and he was like blonde hair blue eyed uh you know, didn't look half uh indian <laughs> hollywood magic <laughs> yeah you can cast anybody at this point and uh it doesn't matter shit it's getting a little windy up here in the in the, in north the mountains <laughs> yeah Good i time. mean hell last episode we had like fucking tornadoes this one we got windstorms so <laughs> yeah Whatever. It's not the apocalypse, it's the weather that's gonna gonna kill you. <laughs> yeah, it's not one thing, it's another. That's for sure, my friend. Yeah, when he uh when they're like you know, got him in the zip ties taking him out and, and friggin' sniper like pops that guy through those little that little slat in the window and he I was like, Oh shit <laughs> Oh But yeah, it's like I was like I I like, you know, Netflix doing these kind of badass action films that have a little heart to them. I mean, we, uh, I don't think we did a episode on it, but the, uh, the triple frontier movie with Affleck and, uh, and those guys, I mean, that was, a what you would think of would be a badass theatrical, you know, action film. It's like, you know, Netflix is kind of known for these small, kind of small comedies and, and sci-fi stuff, but it's like, Oh no, they're, fully into the action game as well. It's <laughs> and uh, I don't know. I mean, I, I think it's really awesome that, you know, we have a platform for somebody I mean, to be like, hey, this is my idea, and I would like to direct it, and cool, here's 65 million do- bucks. Make it happen. Like, I mean, you, you can know, get, I mean... You can get the fucking Tiger King, like, and you can get <laughs> Extraction. Well, I it's, mean, like... There was nothing about this film that said this is Sam Hargrave's first film. No, I mean it was looked like he knew what he was he was doing and you know the fact that it's produced by two guys who've directed like some major big movies. It was definitely he definitely had resources if he need help. Like, hey guys, you've y'all <laughs> y'all directed giant uh But then again, movies. like I think if you're a stunt coordinator, like this is you, definitely your wheelhouse. You're <laughs> probably really, you know, working close with the director on how... Like, there was one scene where a guy gets kicked down a, a stairwell. And, like, even just watching, it's like... Dude, that looks like that would break bones on the average person. It's like, yeah, the average person that's not a stunt coordinator, that would absolutely break <laughs> bones. Like, Yeah, the stunt guys in this movie uh, definitely uh, earn their paychecks. Because, I mean, especially that... I said that whole gunfight, first gunfight with the cops, when it's just going in and out of apartments and 
through buildings and through cars and you know that was kind of the surprising thing too it's like all of these people are like cooking enjoying their day to day and it's like all right you got like six people running through your house and like <laughs> you're just going on about your business like nothing's even happening like that's it, how it, you know this is like the hood of bangladesh it, like, there's like is this just an everyday eh, occurrence whatever. it's like i know we got doors and shit but you know do people not just respect them <laughs> it's like gunfights going on everywhere it's like eh. Same one. This is a Tuesday in Dhaka. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's like nobody gives a fuck. <laughs> I mean, there's like the gunfights going on in like the street markets, and everyone's just like, "Shit!" As long as they don't shoot me, I'm good. Let me get my uh, my curry or whatever. It's like you know, people are stopping to look and be like, "Oh no, it's going." You know, it's staying on that side of the street, so I'm good over here. <laughs> yeah. like... Oh. So as we kind of that was the other crazy up. thing too was. Just the driving. And like all of these tight little narrow crowded streets and everything else. Like, like, and I I love the fact too that car chase and something that crowded. Where basically he's like, okay, you got me on satellite. I need you to be my GPS. And she's like, turn left. You missed the turn. Fuck. Fuck. Like every video, just like game, a woman giving you directions, right? Well, I mean, it's just <laughs> left, left, no, no, left. You just pass. Fuck. <laughs> Once up. again, like it, it reminded me very much of like a Grand Theft Auto or something, right? You got five stars, everybody's on your ass, and it's like your fucking GPS waypoint to your safe house, and it's like, damn it, I missed that turn. Like, <laughs> <laughs> oh, that fucking sewer they get into too, like the just the rats and like waist deep in shit. It's like, oh, of all the places to hide, it's like. <laughs> You are in the shit now. And and I love the fact, too, that, like... The fucking Goonies from hell. Well, no, like, literally in the sewer, like, right before they get to the little, you know, nook that they were able to sit down on or whatever, like, literally, you see a, you know, a log floating, you know? <laughs> I was like... <laughs> I was like... And, and that's the only thing that the camera's focused on. So it's like, yeah, we're in the sewer, so literally we need to see a piece of shit float, you know. <laughs> we want to make sure no one thinks this is a storm drain. Let's yeah. just show a turd float by. <laughs> like, it was just one of those things that I was like, very fitting. That, that just adds, you know, the the icing on the cake, if you will. <laughs> yeah, it's like, oh yeah, the cinematography, <laughs> the set design in this movie is just like, all right, we got it. Call the prop master. We need a turd. <laughs> I mean, it might have been real. Who knows if they were, you know, shooting on uh, on scene? Like, hey, where's your nearest sewer? We need to. <laughs> hey, Chris, you mind getting in the shit for a little bit? <laughs> <laughs> it's like th- this is a shitty gig. <laughs> yeah. So, any uh, final thoughts on this here uh, knuckle buster? Besides being a badass name for a cigar. <laughs> I don't want to praise it because every time it's like, hey, we, we found this thing and a month from now, the cigar will like triple in price. Like, <laughs> Yeah, fucking Diablo keeps going. In which, pr- every time it runs out and restocks, it goes up in price. <laughs> which then again, I do have to say that, you know, Punch being a general cigar, like oftentimes they don't do that. You know, where you might see the increases, but that's due to taxes and other things influencing. Yeah, and it, it, it's it gone up, but it's gone up incremental amounts. Where I think it was like a $9 stick. Now it's like nine fifty for a 660 So it's not 
they're not raping you but, on price. You know, I but mean, this starting off at you know, sub seven dollars. Yeah, I like, mean, I got to say, if it was an eight nine dollar stick, I would probably still buy it if it was like the same price as the uh, signature series. Especially if I want to like stock my humidor because I said I can grab four of these for like twenty six bucks. And it's definitely been my <laughs> yeah. That's the thing. Like you buy a twenty five count humidor, you stock that thing with six sixty. Suddenly you got a sixteen count. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But it's like, uh, like I said, I kind of just started smoking this when they were out of my usual, and now this has kind of worked itself into the rotation. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, you know, phenomenal smoke. Um, I don't know. I mean, if I was out somewhere and somebody, you know, offered me this, I would not, you know, be disappointed. And it's like, and if you're a smoker of the Signature Series, it's kind of very close in flavor to that Signature Series blend, uh. I say it's definitely a good substitute if I'm out of my regular. Yeah, I mean it's I don't know. I mean the the earthiness of it you know is definitely the forefront. And but I mean you you do have some strength and stuff behind it too. And I mean you know I, wonderful. Yeah, yeah, I'm I'm kind of weird. I always like to have like a cream soda or something when yeah. I'm having a cigar. I don't know what that's all about. Just just is, but um you know, it works wonderfully with this cigar. And a lot of times we end up pre-smoking something before we do the episodes. I, I mean, I smoked the 770 Diablo today, and a lot of times that may kill my palate for the rest of it. So if we smoke something a little bit milder when we're recording. It's like, I don't get as much flavor, but this thing's got enough strength that even though after smoking that, you know, powerhouse of the Diablo, I'm still getting a lot of flavor and a lot of strength out of this, uh, knuckle buster. So it's definitely one that I would recommend. And is like I said, it's worked its way into, uh, my regular rotation. And with that, we'll be right back. For some science, ready to I'm, theoretically learn some shit. I'm ready to practice theoretics. <laughs> well, coming up next month, NASA and SpaceX reveal launch date for kind of a historic launch because not only is it going to be the first launch from U.S. soil in a decade since the uh, the old. Uh, Quit using the old space shuttle program, but it's also the first crewed launch crew 
the not crude, but crude launch of a uh, private company spacecraft. <clears throat> uh, this is kind of a a uh, joint effort from NASA and SpaceX. Uh, they are, you know, SpaceX is they've been sending unmanned rockets and supply rockets up to the International Space Station. This is going to be the first launch of their crewed spacecraft, the Dragon spacecraft on the the old Falcon 9 rocket. Uh, so it's the first time, you know, private astronauts are getting to go to space. Nice. It's going to have uh, Robert Binken and Douglas Hurley are the, uh, with Hurley being the captain of this this crew. They are set to launch May 27th. And it'll be the first time a crew will travel to orbit from American Seoul since the end of NASA's space shuttle program in 2011. Launching from historic launch pad 39A at Kennedy Space Center, the flew will, the two-man crew will orbit the Earth and eventually make a stop at the International Space Station. Yeah, up till now we've had to rely on you know, Russia and R- Russian spacecraft to get transport crews up, up into orbit. Uh, but now this is, like I said, the first time that, uh, NASA's commercial crew program is, is putting people into space. That is pretty freaking awesome. Unless we get, you know, we take our pandemic and then unleash it in outer space. Space pandemic. I gotta say, this Dragon spacecraft kind of looks like the old school, like Apollo capsules. It's definitely not a uh, like a the space shuttle that we're <laughs> used to. That's no moon; it's a space station. <laughs> Time to start building the Death Star. But yeah, it's kind of cool that we're you know getting back into space, uh, and also cool that. It's not just government-run programs now. We're contracting in the you know private sector. As you kind of, we've talked to some of these scientists. It's, it's kind of, I guess, there's a lot more. Anything done by the government is is kind of slow moving. We're having several companies kind of competing. Actually, pushes innovation a lot quicker than it was if it's something that's you know dependent on you know, the government and even like, I've seen people from NASA saying it's not the fact that well, I mean, space I think... travels being done by private corporations now is not, it's not independent. It's like, you know, it's like, yeah, NASA is still footing the bill, but we're paying experts to do the work instead of having to do <laughs> the work ourselves now. Absolutely. I, I don't know. I mean, I think that basically allows supply and demand, you know, to do its thing. It's like, Hey, if there's, a demand for this, then great. Let all of these, you know, independent experts come together, make it happen rather than, you know, the government being like, well, we're going to do this thing Ah, this other thing happened. So it's now on hold and everything of that nature. So pretty cool. Going back to space. And speaking of, how would you feel about, all right, we've got this thing and we're going to send you to space in it. Knowing nobody's been in that thing and been to space in it before, <laughs> being the first, the first man through the door, it's like, yeah, you know, how did old Neil Armstrong and, and Buzz Aldrin feel when they were like, "Hey guys, we sent monkeys. Uh, you're next." 
but yeah, this is definitely an, a, the next step in, you know, going to Mars and all that other shit. And it's like, we can't go to Mars and we'll unleash the demons. <laughs> but I mean, it's also one step closer to private space. I mean, if, if in my lifetime there's an opportunity like, hey, civilian, you can now go to space. Fuck yeah, I'm doing the first podcast on the moon. <laughs> Cigar nerds in space. I mean, there's enough satellites. It could happen. I mean, we we got to propose uh, propose uh, uh, an experiment. Like, hey NASA, we want to find out if you can smoke cigars in zero gravity. <laughs> hey, you don't have to worry about your cigar falling on the ground. Yeah, if your ash falls, it just floats away. <laughs> uh, the ash is now in that really expensive piece of equipment that is our way home. Hmm, bad. <laughs> like, yeah, that'd be the. I mean, they had to figure out how to poop in space with like suction and whatnot. A space ashtray, like how would that work? It's gonna be so, like something like dustbuster thing. You just like suck your ash into. <laughs> I don't know. Be my luck. The ash would freeze, and you know, like due to the amount of ash in space it is now combined with these other molecules and now it's going to impact earth and... are you seen like where kind of water droplets don't fall off the things it just kind of encases it and with no gravity would your ash even fall off your cigar i mean you could have like the ultimate long ash contest in space as long as you don't whip your cigar around like you know willy-nilly like i said it'd probably stay on for a good bit i don't know but then due to the lack of oxygen and everything, would it even stay lit? Well, I mean, you can, you would have to, you know, I would have to breathe to smoke. So I'm sure we'd have to smoke in some kind of oxygenated environment. <laughs> I thought that's why they wore the suits. When you're out in space, I'm talking about like inside like a space station or something. Oh, no, dude, that's not smoking in space. That's smoking <laughs> inside a capsule. Like small steps, man. <laughs> No, dude, if you're going to do it, go big. You have to get a really big space helmet, though, to fit your cigar in it. But then how would you be able to reach up and, like, grab your cigar? <laughs> I guess you're just that fucking committed, like... <laughs> yeah, you're not putting it down. You're just going to finish it. But then again... Then you get all the ash floating around in your helmet. <laughs> you're in the fucking bubble, you know, hotboxing yourself, like... <laughs> yeah, you definitely need some kind of air purifier to circulate that shit through. <laughs> like, I mean, that's the thing, dude. Like, if you're an astronaut or something, like, you can't have any vices. You can't smoke. You can't vape or... Maybe you can, and we just don't know, you know, that's not, that's the shit they're not showing us. Like. <laughs> oh, and it's not a science segment without, you know, potential Skynet news. Uh, scientists at Google have come up with a new uh, machine learning method where basically uh, machines can learn without any kind of human input. Can we just stop? <laughs> like. I don't know. I mean, like, do you want Terminators? Because that's how you get Terminators, and that's exactly where, you know, this shit's headed. That yeah. or, you know, just the the fact that there is no privacy on anything. Because everything goes into, you know, a fucking cloud now. <laughs> where all of us date. Like, what happens when robots are like, yeah, these humans, they're the ultimate virus. You know, we're not worried about COVID because we're robots. But these humans that just keep depleting and depleting and depleting, like, they need to be eradicated. 
Yes, basically machine learning is a method by which algorithms adapt to their activity using inputted data rather than being programmed to a task. Programmers build, like, train these algorithms, and it, uh, but can also, since it's these learning algorithms are based on input data, human biases can be programmed in, whereas this new, to overcome these limitations, they're basically exploring a field called uh, AutoML, whereby the machines learn to process progressively. They basically program themselves automatically, uh, relying on, you know, the machine computer rather than human researching and, and human input. Uh, the program they're calling Auto ML Zero basically generated a hundred unique algorithms for a simple task, and then they tested the algorithms against, I guess, human developed algorithms and seen which ones were the best, and then kind of plugged them back in and let the computer come up with better algorithms based on the ones that it already produced, kind of in a you know Darwinian method where the the ones that work move on to the next round. The ones that don't work get kicked out until they kind of develop better and better programmings uh, to this point where they get to stuff that's better than the human researchers could have come up with on their own. I mean, like, I don't really know all the, the, the learning mechanics and everything else, but let's just, let's just keep it at software. How many <laughs> bugs and unintentional things are in software, even when it's released. Like, I, I don't know. I, I see somebody introducing something somewhere that's just going to be like, oh, fuck. <laughs> like, and it's not going to be like, oh, we need a day one patch to resolve that. <laughs> you know, freaking, uh, yeah. And eventually it becomes self-aware and kills us all. But, in some good uh, automation news, uh, they've figured out how to returns sense of touch to a paralyzed man. That's pretty interesting. Yeah, a uh, a man who had a severely damaged spinal cord injury, uh, Ian Burkhart, uh, basically been kind of working on him since 2014. Uh, a company called NeuroLife, which they've <clears throat> been able to slowly give him control of his right hand again by directly linking the motor cortex of the brain to the muscles in his hand. So he doesn't have to kind of depend on the spinal column transferring those signals. It kind of goes straight from his brain to his hand. And, you know, this technology has allowed him to swipe credit cards, pick up a glass and even play guitar hero again. But the thing that was missing is his sense of touch. So he said, basically it's, he has to really watch his hand and think about the movements because, you know, he doesn't actually feel anything. So it's like, he said, it's kind of hard to do multitask things like, you know, drink a beer and watch TV. Cause he literally has to watch his hand and see what it's doing to work it properly. So they <laughs> like, I could see that being dangerous though. Cause you know, sometimes it's just like, man, I wish I could slap this person and bam. <laughs> like... <laughs> But what they've done is they said they discovered that, uh, you know, the brain was still, the input signals from the hand were still reaching the brain. They were just blocked by the, you know, the hand was still putting out these signals, but they were blocked by the damaged spot in core. And the signals that do get th- through were just kind of too weak for the brain to respond. But they actually installed a 
computer linked to his brain that was trained to recognize these signals and then kind of compute them into something his brain understands and was able to give him back, you know, his sense of touch through this kind of computer interface. That's pretty awesome, though. Yay for good science. <laughs> and as we I mentioned earlier, we, we always seem to find villains in movies way more interesting than your generic heroes, especially, like I said, you know, kind of villains that don't think they're villains or villains that we can kind of identify with. Well, a new research uh, by Northwestern University uh, published in Psychological Science it kind of studied, like, why people relate to these darker characters in a fictional environment more than, say, your average hero. And what they came up with is that, basically, in this uh, kind of theory they call the sympathy for the devil it's a way it's a safe people to relate to the darker aspects of their personality without threatening the fragile sense of self basically we only want to see ourselves in a positive aspect but in the fictional world it's kind of a safe haven to to kind of compare yourself to these more evil or you know morally ambiguous characters where if you compared yourself to you know a bad guy in real life, you may be like, Oh, I'm kind of fucked up, but comparing yourself to the Joker and whatnot, who's not a real character. It's kind of a, a safer way to look at these aspects of your own personality without as much, uh, self incrimination. <laughs> yeah. I'm guilty as charged. I mean, the villains are always the cooler characters. They're better, they're better written. I like Skeletor way more than he, man. <laughs> he, man. <laughs> Ah, that's why you did that article. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's all I got for you this week. Stay tuned for some other random discussion. Hey, weird podcast people. Join us every week on the Flopcast for a half hour or so of silly conversation about comics, music, Saturday morning cartoons, old movies and TV shows, and chickens. It'll be our little secret. Find us at flopcast.net and on the ESO network. And now it's time for all things nerdy in Nerd News. And welcome to No News is Good News. Yeah, no news. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, we got a little bit of news, you know, um... But some states are reopening. Whether that's going to be a good thing or bad thing, we don't know. Uh, yeah, I, I, no new it, theater movies to watch. But <laughs> I mean, but still, like we discussed in the main segment, you know, Netflix has really kind of bridged the gap. Hulu, Amazon, Disney Plus, like, like you said, you know, this new season of uh, freaking Clone Wars has been better than the last three movies. Yeah, that's the thing, like... No I surprise. I don't know if you've uh, watched any of them yet, but if you're... If you got the Disney Plus and you're a fan of the old school Clone Wars, they've made a new... I think it's going to be 12 episode season of of Clone Wars. And there's... I've watched... Everything is that there's two, two more episodes before it finished. And I gotta say, it's... 
Disney's done a lot better job with this new season of Clone Wars than they did with the last three movies. It's the action sequences are freaking epic. I mean, and it's like people are dying light right and left. I mean, there's badass lightsaber action. I mean, Ahsoka Tano fights Darth Maul and even Darth Maul's like a bad motherfucker in this. It's like, it's so much more interesting to watch than rise of Skywalker. <laughs> yeah. All right. About that. Um, and, uh, other news, um, you know, Tom and Jerry Popeye director, Gene Depitch, Dietich, D E I T C H has passed away. So, uh, like it, it just made me stop and think about some of the cartoons of today and how modernized and everything they are. Like, could you do a acne, you know, Tom and Jerry, yeah, you know, like, like that style animation and it be successful today? Like Tom and the... Jerry was, you know, pretty lighthearted, but it, you know, made me think like to some of the other shows that I'm like, it probably couldn't exist in today's, you know, political climate. Like, oh yeah, it's like the the slapsticky violence of the old uh, Warner Brothers cartoons is like, my God, social justice people would like lose their shit nowadays. Like I said, I am forced to uh, see what the kids are watching these days. And I'm like, it's not nearly as good as the, the shit we grew up on. <laughs> then again, we weren't dumbasses and knew you're not supposed to hit each other in the face with two by fours. <laughs> but I mean, you know, I don't know. I mean, I never hit anybody with a two by four, but I mean, we we definitely did some pranks or you know did some <laughs> some shit that's like, all right, probably not the best idea, but it's like remember the old Donald Duck cartoon where him and Bugs Bunny are having like a stage show competition, and he finally like drinks a bunch of gasoline and swallows a match and blows himself up. Yeah, and it's like nowadays people would lose their shit if that was like an actual cartoon. <laughs> And the greatest joke, he's like, man, that was an amazing trick, yeah, but I can only do it once. <laughs> I mean, you know, I, I, I think there was something to say about Darwin, so, you know, I mean, I don't know, like, I, if I'm going to catch, you know, any kind of cartoons or stuff, like, this is the shit I like to go back and watch, you know? Um, yeah, I mean, I, I don't know if I mentioned it the other day, but Hasbro has released a whole bunch of the old G.I. Joe cartoons on YouTube, and I fell down a hole watching, like, probably spent five hours watching old G.I. Joe cartoons the other day on YouTube, and I'm like, I'm man, I miss this stuff. There's, like, cartoons today are just not the, not the same, unless you're gonna watch some kind of, like, anime where it's a little more violent, but it's like, yeah, the, yeah, the but I mean, I up don't, on was badass. I, I, I don't know. You know, anime is kind of in its own, own thing for me. Like, I, I don't think, you know, doesn't hold the same gravitas, I guess, as, like, the the old-school animation, you know, hand-drawn, everything of that nature, like, uh, I don't know. Especially for, like, Tom and Jerry. Dude, I fucking watch Tom and Jerry, like, hours on end. Like, <laughs> yeah. nobody's business. Like, I know that the cat's never gonna catch the mouse, but, you know, all the shenanigans and everything else, you know, leading up to it, and... I don't know. Like, Poor pussycat yeah, <laughs> like you know, sometimes I, I felt bad for the old cat, you know, because he's just he's just out there like the mouse framed him, you know. <laughs> Nobody ever punishes the mouse. Damn, Jerry. 
Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Old Tomcat. But yeah, like, I don't know. And then Popeye too. Like, that was another one. Like, I don't care if this motherfucker eats spinach. Like, as a kid, like, I was having none of that. (laughs) That was the only way the parents got me to eat spinach. It's like, you want to be like Popeye, don't you? So, you know, if you got any spinach, pour a little spinach out for your dead homie. Yep. If you can find it. I don't know. I haven't been to a grocery store in a while. (laughs) I don't know what it's like these days. Bunch of people in masks. There's no toilet paper. Plenty of vegetables. There wasn't a whole lot of meat last time I went. I think you gotta go, like, early in the morning or something. I don't know. Everybody's gone keto in the apocalypse. (laughs) You know what? I guess I've been pretty fortunate. Like, I haven't had to make a whole lot of, you know, drastic dietary changes or anything. Because I eat, like, shit usually. So, I mean... You know, I'm not I'm not looking to do a, a meat and two veggies, you know. I'm just throwing some shit together and like, yep, that works and uh having at it. Yeah, definitely cut down on the oh, I eat out far too much and it's like either I'm having to doing a lot more drive through than I want to do because that's the only thing open or yeah, the occasional Mexican takeout, but yeah, it's like I think it's kind of funny. It's like, yeah, way more than I normally do. (laughs) You guys need to start eating at home more. It's way more healthier. And everybody's like gaining weight and stuff. because They're cooking all this shit. And it's like, (laughs) we determined that's a lie. Cause you still overeat. Oh yeah. That's the worst part of this is like just boredom eating. (laughs) It's like, I've I've probably, I've probably gained weight since this. Cause it's like, I don't get to the gym as much and I'm just grazing. Cause I'm, uh, I'm, you know, eating out of boredom half the time. Need to get need to get back out there, man. And you know, speaking of you know Netflix stuff, there was like a I guess a show that kind of slipped under the radar for me as long you know when we're talking about animation is Netflix has put out a new season of uh, Ghost in the Shell standalone complex, which the, the original Ghost in the Shell movies and the TV series were both badass. So it's it's uh, I watched like the first five episodes of uh, the Netflix uh, Ghost in the Shell series, which is weird because there's there's even a disclaimer on the front of the shows because it's like, because of the virus, the voice actors health is our main concern. So we don't have all languages available yet. So apparently there will eventually be an English dub, but right now it's just in Japanese with the English subtitles. And I found that I've watched so much of the, the original ghost in the shells that I barely notice they're speaking Japanese. Cause as I'm reading along, I'm hearing the, the voice actors voices in my head, kind of like reading Batman comics. Now I always hear Kevin Conroy in my head. So it's like after, after a few minutes, I'm like, I just kind of completely turned out the Japanese. <laughs> what is not even, even noticing it? Yeah. I mean, I don't know. Like for me, like that's the way I watched anime. It was always, you know, Japanese voices. Cause it's like, I still want to be able to hear the sound effects and everything else, but it's like, I still need the English subtitles. <laughs> So I can understand what the fuck's actually being said. Yeah, I'm one of those, like, you know... But sometimes, like, the translations were terrible. And it's like, <laughs> the sentence doesn't even make sense. And then, like, by the time I've thought about it, like, I've missed seven scenes of stuff. And it's like, fuck. Yeah, I'm not one of those hardcore anime fans where some people's like, oh, no, you gotta watch it in the original Japanese or it's not the same. I'm like, dude, I don't speak Japanese. I'm fine with some English translation that makes sense. But then again, when you're watching an action show, action's pretty much a universal language. You know <laughs> As long as somebody's getting kicked in the face or shot, it's like, all right, I can understand what's going on here. Absolutely. Um, other news, uh, apparently Kevin Smith has finished uh, the Mallrats 2 script. So, might see some uh, 
more works from uh, our, our, our buddy Kevin at, at some point. Yeah, like I watched, I finally watched uh, Jay and Silent Bob reboot. It's on uh, on Prime now, and it's pretty good. Still kind of good as the old uh, Jay and Bob movies, even though there's like you know Kevin's a vegan now. It's so weird seeing a not fat Silent Bob. <laughs> I mean, I was always like, hey, there's a fat guy on TV. He can be my hero. I was like, now it's like, damn it, he's skinny. He's making me look bad. Now I got to get skinny too. I can't uh, dress up as Silent Bob anymore. Even though I've got the hair and the beard at this point. <laughs> I, I can, I can get, I need me a trench coat. I can be like old school Silent Bob. I mean, that's, that's the thing. Like, I don't know. For some reason I think Silent Bob, like I have to go back to the old school. Like, <laughs> Just something, you know, absolutely iconic about that character. Yeah, so that's, I guess, one of the benefits of everybody being stuck indoors. Kevin finally got back to some writing and getting that, uh, whatever, Twilight of the Mole Rats, I think, is the uh, <laughs> the working title at this point. Yeah, I was just kind of perusing to see if there was really anything else um, major and exciting, so... The only other new news I've I've heard is the uh, if anyone remembers the it was an old TV series they made a movie with Val Kilmer called The Saint. They've announced they're rebooting The Saint starring Star Trek's Chris Pine as a uh, as The Saint, which was kind of a James Bond spy type uh, type series. That sounds like it'd be pretty interesting. Speaking of which, James Bond. Remember the guy who played Kano in the first Mortal Kombat movie? Yeah. I kind of looked him up yesterday because I, I got bored was watching the original Mortal Kombat. And I was like, man, I haven't seen that guy in a while. I looked it up and I'm like, oh yeah, he hasn't done anything since 2003 because he died. But apparently before he died, he was set to be the new James Bond. He was going to be James Bond after Pierce Brosnan before Daniel Craig took the role. <laughs> huh. And I was like, interesting. <laughs> I mean that's a pretty big leap, you <laughs> yeah. know, to to go from, hey, I'm, I'm kind of what, anything he had done previously, or he was on Jag and did a bunch of like TV, TV roles okay. and and a few like of these B level action movies that in sci fi movies that uh, mostly never heard of, but <laughs> yeah, he was set to be the new James Bond and then he OD'd. <laughs> Sometimes you just can't handle success, or I don't know. Maybe you're yep. just going through some shit. I don't know. People people have reasons for whatever they do. I don't know. Um, I don't know what 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 else is going on. People are buying lots of guns. Keep seeing guns everywhere. Oh yeah, man. It's like friggin' because yeah, I've been fortunate enough not like, to be uh to to still. You know, both of us been able to continue working through all this, so. When I got my Papa Trump check, I didn't have to spend it on anything in particular. So, like a lot of people, I probably bought uh, a lot of, if not new guns, accessories for the guns I have. Yeah, but didn't you just have that boating accident and lose everything? Yeah, that's why I had to buy all these new guns. But it's but then there was another boating accident. Yeah, every but like every website that sells gear or accessories, they've all got like, hey, we're experiencing way higher volume than normal, so. I theoretically bought some stuff, but so far nothing has arrived because, like, everyone's, like, backed up on shipping because everyone is sold out of everything. Yeah, that makes sense. Like, I, I don't know. Like, I think it's 
I don't know. I mean, it, it's like, where is the narrative that, okay, now we had this major gun boom. <laughs> Where's all the other mass shootings? Yeah. Haven't heard about that, any of that happening in a while. <laughs> like, you know. That and too, I've noticed like the most thing that's sold out everywhere I go is shotguns. Cause I, I, anyone who never has never owned a gun, that's probably the, what they assume is the simplest thing to operate. That's like, oh, yeah, my grandpa had a shotgun. So it's like, I wanted to buy a shockwave. And it's like, every gun store and even every online resource I've used, like, no one has, like, a shot. Like, shotguns were the first thing to sell out in the apocalypse. <laughs> well, I mean, you know, most people are thinking, I, I mean... You can it's, buy a black, you can well, buy an AR I, pretty easily right now. But, yeah, shotguns are have become scarce. Uh, but, I mean, scarce. you know, shotguns are, you know, like... Not only can you use it practically for self-defense, you can also use it practically for hunting. You can, you know, so, like, it's one of the more versatile platforms. Like, I mean, I can understand you can absolutely hunt with an AR. I'm, I'm not knocking that. Like, but like you said, I think the ease of use factor, um, you know, in a lot of people's opinion. But I guess the ease of use will come the first time they pull the trigger if they've never pulled it before. <laughs> and um, Like a video that dumbass I saw trying to hip fire a <laughs> shotgun while wearing, like, rubber gloves that give you no grip and his corona mask, and for some reason wearing a tack vest in an indoor range, and just the gun just launches out of his hands and goes flying across the room because he, like, doesn't know how to hold it properly. And he's like, oh, shit. <laughs> I mean, was it that he didn't know how to hold it properly, or is he trying to do some, like, Terminator-style shit? Like, I saw somebody hip-fire a shotgun in a movie once. I can do that. Oh, he was hip-firing, but he was, like, didn't even have his, like, hand, like, behind the grip it was almost like on the side of the grip so there was nothing holding that kick back when he pulls a trigger it just launches like a fucking bottle rocket <laughs> as we said before if you're getting new guns get some training to go with them <laughs> yes absolutely well with that we'll wrap this up check us out on esonetwork.com check us out on our website cigarnerdpodcast.com we're on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, at Cigar Nerd Pod. Pick up your energy drinks at StrikeForceEnergy.com. Use the promo code Cigar Nerds and get your uh, badass smoking shirts at RealMenSmokeCigars.com. Uh, and hey, George has got some uh, some cool cigar-themed masks if you think you need a mask in public. He's got some with like cigar prints and some of this look like a face smoking a cigar, so you look like you're smoking a cigar even when you're protecting yourself from the coronas so check that out and as rake says move fast stay low and this has been a recording of the cigar nerd podcast we're your hosts smoking joe and brad jackson join us next time for more adventures in nerddom this has been a broadcast of the eso network be part of the crew and help support our shows by donating to our ESO Patreon or by shopping through Amazon.com or the Tee Public Store, which can all be found at www.esonetwork.com. The ESO Network, your station for all things geek.